0: mr Sandman hello and welcome back to black O'Couch reviews I'm your host Christina we are here to discuss a much anticipated series that just dropped on Netflix entitled the Sandman this is the first time we are dropping into a new series so you know what that means let's take a peek behind the curtains I just want to ask you here, maybe drop a pencil The Sandman is an American fantasy drama based on the 1989 to 1996 comic book written by Neil Gaiman and published by DC Comics. The series was developed by Gaiman, David S. Goyer, and Alan Heinberg for Netflix. The Sandman, the comic book, was by Neil Gaiman but also Sam Keith and Mike Drigenberg. The star, if the name David Esquire sounds familiar, it's because he has worked on quite a few notable movies, including uh, Blade 2, Blade Trinity, and the, well, the entire Blade series, Dark City, Crow, City of Angels, Puppet, The Puppet Masters, The Unborn, Dark Knight, jumper the invisible man of steel and very recently he is going to be working on hellraiser i don't want to see that shit it was already scary enough but i can see those influences neil gaiman has plenty of works to his name the recent tv series american gods he has also written the nancy boys uh as well as a And one of my personal favorites that's also or that was also turned into a television series coming out for season two is Good Omens. There is a lot of great talent attached to this project and that doesn't even include the cast list. It is excessive so we are not going to discuss every name but let's give our main cast due uh, Tom Sturridge as Morpheus there was talks in 2019 16 very early i think it was in 2013 yep 2013 they pitched joseph gordon levitt to play dream and let me tell you something that would not have been a good casting (laughs) i have nothing against joseph gordon levitt i actually like the actor quite a bit But for this role, it would not have been the same. I cannot imagine. After listening to the book as well. And I only listened to part one. And I didn't even finish. I think I have maybe five more hours to go. Uh, I got to the, uh, the, the part of the story where he... I think where I stopped is where he meets the one guy. After having a conversation with Death. And they go through that particular... Uh, thing, but other than that, that's where I stopped it. So I don't know too much about Corinthian. I don't think I've heard too much about him other than a name drop. Uh and I think that the show is definitely incorporating different faucets in there with uh with part two of this book as well. Or it could just be in part one and I haven't read it, so I can't I can't really say much. Uh, Tom Sturridge, though as Morpheus dream of the endless is perfect i think he's he's an ideal casting for james mcavoy's brilliant voiceover in that book which is one of the best things about it i wish i had just picked up the comic i must say because i think that most people know this series from its comic panels and i will eventually get to that point but I think I would have digested it quicker and better if I had actually picked up the comic. Boyd Holbrook as Carithian. Vivian uh, Achia Achia Pung as Lucian. Patton Oswalt as the voice of Matthew the Raven. I don't know how I'm going to feel about that because Patton Oswalt does not have an attractive voice. <laughs> and after seeing what happened between. Jasmine, I'm kind of like, I don't want his voice coming out of that. That just feels awkward, but maybe that's the point. We shall see. I won't judge it, I won't knock it until I see it. Recurring cast, we have Jenna Coleman as Joanna Constantine, Jolie Richardson as Ethel D. Cripps, Nia Wadia as Fate Mother, Suade. Er, Suad Ferris as Fate Crone, Denita Gohill as Fate Maiden, those that's familiar to me. Asim Chaldry as Abel, David thewlis as John Burgess, which I have a lot of a lot of uh anticipation seeing him come to life. Gwendolyn Christie from game of thrones fame as lucifer morning star mason alexander park as desire uh Kyle ra as rose walker i'm trying to pick out names that i know we are going to see a little bit more or we're in this particular episode sandra james young as unity kincaid donna preston as despair uh where else do i want to see a Dane that i know is going to pop up eddie caranja as jed walker and charles dance as roderick burgess which we saw this episode met quite the fate in the end being murdered by his own son well not really murdered but you know what i mean and lastly because i love her so much kirby howe baptiste as death So I don't expect we'll see her until later on in the series. The list goes on. So if you want to check them out, IMDb. Cinematography for the series. Because there's a lot of it. Will Baldy, George Steele, Sam Heisman. And another credit for Will Baldy. Unless that's just the junior. Editors, Daniel Gabe. Shoshana Tanzer. Jasmine Bricker. Kelly Steele. Duvescent. our producers are samson mook or muke ian smith alexander newman wise and andrew trollton executive producers alan heinberg david s Goyer, neil gaiman and mike barker this series is 10 episodes long i don't know if we'll be getting a season two or if this is just a one and done on this particular story arc but if they have a part one of the book and a part two i would think but that could just be also wishful thinking (laughs) what is the reception rotten tomatoes gave the series a certified fresh status and reported approval rating of 85 percent with an average of 7.6 out of 10 based on 59 critic reviews it did just drop august 5th Uh, ign gave it a score of 9 out of 10 praising the cast performance particularly sturges and in an episode where he did not have much to say he was outstanding i do think he is the perfect embodiment of dream what people who love the comic and enjoyed the book would want to see it in it's full manifestation and he does the thing with that so now that we have given credit where credit is due, let's jump into the recap. Let's go. Sleep of the Just was a teleplay by Neil Gaiman and David S. Goyer and Alan Heinberg. As one would expect, in this episode was directed by Mike Barker. I gave it an 8.8 out of 10. I thought it was the perfect introduction. I liked the fact that I was immersed in what I was familiar, but they did do some things differently that made a lot more sense for the story or fleshed it out in a different way that i was surprised on i will keep the book and show comparisons for the end so if you are interested in hearing that thus far uh definitely check that out but it will only be a comparison (laughs) um i don't know where it ends so i can't i don't think i'll be spoiling too much but we meet the lord of dreams we see his kingdom it is beautiful he speaks about how the real world isn't just the quote-unquote real world that mortals actually are impacted by their dreams and he is the one that facilitates this this uh separate reality so to speak we see is it Sturgis? I can I keep getting I keep getting him and Burgess very confused but we saw him in that realm as he fell asleep on the way to Burgess's home. He is on his way to capture a a nightmare that has escaped into the waking world. He grabs his tools. Lucien says, "Are you going to be back?" Which is very much a premonition. Can I see- because we hear at the end he spends a whole last century away but he goes to apprehend a rogue nightmare by the name of Corinthian. however before he can he could do what he needs to do to rein him in line or destroy him not sure he is captured we meet alex for the first time as he answers the door for burgess and that's the little kid from the haunting of uh the Haunted of Bly Manor because he was such a great little actor in that show so the whole time I'm just like oh I'm glad he's still getting work but he is young Alex he seems to be much more kinder than his irascible father he brings him in Sykes is uh joined by him to to await the mesh or Magus magus is what they and what Roderick prefers to be called as he's walking through the premises he sees a lot of people in robes he looks like he stumbles upon a sacrifice burgess is like have i made a mistake but he is caught up in his own grief and he has decided to once they meet in a room hand over the grimoire he is a member of the british museum so he took that book out of where it was decided to give it to roger burgess who lets him know i had a son named randall that died he recently lost a son as well burgess reveals that he can summon death to return both their sons to them burgess is like i was under the impression you only had one son looks over at alex
1: now for that bitch
0: alex left the room all hurt he is only he's pretty much the equivalent of sykes within uh the confines of his father's brain like you are a servant that is all that you are a servant and a disappointment he's so kind as the ritual begins he grabs the old man's hand he's like come on don't be afraid I don't know I'd be leaning on a little kid if I'm in in disturbance but they all go down to the cellar or the basement and they watch the ritual unfold they've stolen an angel the angel's feather he gives blood there's chanting and we see that dream was whisked away and has been now captured by this group of sorcerers with roderick being the main sorcerer keeping him into this containment spell i love the visualization here he does not want to put his hand close to this man's body so he asked alex to do it Puck-ass, bitch, motherfucker! and he steals his ruby his sand as well as his helmet these are the the artifices of his power he then approaches him i will say that's some skinny ass naked i mean that's some skinny ass naked (laughs) accurate but i was like whoa you need a tan and some meat I got beans creams potatoes tomatoes lamb what beans creams potatoes tomatoes chicken, turkeys, rats. he is visited by Corinthian who spells it out for Roderick who thinks that he knows everything but he's like uh who you think you captured you did not the Lord of Dream is far more powerful than you realize and he is the one that tells them you need to make this type of cage for him you also need to have them take these drugs that well did they say mammoth or something to that effect something that veterans used to take to stay up during the war i like that incorporation of reality to keep them awake because if he ever if they ever fall asleep in his presence he can access the dream world via their dreams He also tells him to keep his totems away from him and he says for both of our sakes i hope this shit works (laughs) because we both need to and want to keep this man in prison then he just leaves ever so casually in his white suit and his sunglasses to to cover up or am i remembering this correctly he has teeth for eyes fine It's fucking disgusting. Some years pass and everyone is going to see Magus for what he can provide for them because he's been using the ruby and his other totems for continuous youth. He has also benefited the rewards of what that could bring him. They're very casual about that. We'll talk about that in the spoiler section about the differences here we see that alex is grown up he's a teenager he's still being regulated as the help although sykes is a much kinder (laughs) uh, parental figure in his life being like your father would not like you to be reading however however the sleeping sickness which was enacted when dreaming was captured is still a thing we see this firsthand for unity Whose parents go to check on her, however, she does not wake. There are those that just cannot go to sleep, so they're walking zombies. And there's those others, like Unity, that have not woken at all. The sleeping sickness lasts for 106 years. Roderick has had several things from dream who he says that he is not allowed to and refuse to would refuse to anyway to give him certain elements that are not meant to be within men's grasp immortality wealth and his son back randall these are the things that he wants and power of course uh he does not say any words to him despite all of the words that roderick yells and screams at him He refuses to say anything back because well if you don't have the answer you want I'll just say nothing at all. There is a continuous resentment between Roderick and his son Alex that continues to unfold. Ethel Crypt sashays onto the scene when Alex because the Magus is so important has these parties has to get the excess guests to go home one of the men are like yeah well make me who are you to tell me that i have to go because i've been standing out here all night when ethel saves him from the crowd saying this is the man's son and i'm sure that he has the same powers as his father and gets the crowd to disperse he thanks her for that and admits that he doesn't have any type of power he's really a no one but she says he has more power than he thinks he does he then sees two of the guards that talk amongst themselves about how they very much do not like being the security guard for morpheus because he's creepy and it creeps him out when they're down there he decides to take over and goes down to ask a simple question i know don't know if you can hear me or understand me but are you okay in there and that surprises dream because he's an empathetic partner here and he says look if i could i would let you out if you would just give my father what he wants he would let you out and father comes in to chastise him about the fact that if you ever let him out he will kill us he will absolutely destroy us including me he also physically assaults him he gives him his gun and he says if you want to prove your worth to me shoot that bird Jessamy." Jessamy has been on the loose since uh, its master has been imprisoned even though alex is a little skeptical that that's the same gosh damn bird we realized at that point that ethel was sleeping with roderick He goes out into the the premises to go looking for said bird. But Jessamy has some tricks up. Their sleeve is able to watch how you start a fire. (laughs) And uses it to start one. To distract the guard so that it can get back to its master. I don't know what it thought it was going to do with that beak. To crack that glass. But it did try and unfortunately that very emotional moment is ruined when Alex shoots his bird. Hello darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again because a vision softly creeping. Sometime later, he hears his father and Ethel, Look like an argument has went down he walks off and she is crying alex asks what's wrong she is pregnant and the old man wants her to abort it he's calling the doctor right now i don't know why well i could see a doctor actually taking 24 hours to show up <laughs> but we know that he does not want any additional children his only child was randall everyone else does not count as being a burgess uh, he tries to comfort her but she says don't worry about it it's my problem i will handle it and she does by stealing all of his shit
1: uh-huh. now i ain't saying she a gold digger need. but she ain't messing with no broke bro. now I ain't saying she a gold digger she ain't messing with no
0: broke and by all of his shit i do mean all of his shit the totems and the twenty thousand dollars gets into a cab and drives away i will say his reaction was a little underwhelming because considering his propensity for violent outbursts or angry outbursts i would have expected being like she took more than that the the reaction from the roderick burgess i know would have been 10 times more profane uh so he sends those after her but he also goes to dream and says look she stole all your shit so this becomes a you and me problem so if i let you go why don't you give me all the things i asked for and handle my problem why did you think that was a good deal why at all did you think that was a good deal (laughs) To go take that goddamn deal <laughs> like let me give you everything you want despite the fact that you have kept me in a cage and i shouldn't want revenge at all uh he says fine and unfortunately it doesn't look like he he got ethel because we see her sometime later with all of the totems nine months later uh in fact and she gives birth to a baby boy she says that we are going to get all the things that are owed to us it is during another one of these confrontations with dream and roderick that alex after having a brief connection with paul in the garden saying have you read this because i can recommend some other books and they're adorable together i was peeping it as soon as they was putting it down this may be what his father just completely didn't like about his son they're not saying that specifically his sexuality but his whole demeanor he doesn't he's much more empathetic he has a kinder heart he has a a a much giving disposition versus his father and that's not what his father wants he wants the quintessential man who is hard and all those toxic traits that he himself possesses which ultimately leads to him trying to once again abuse his son who finally is like dude i am far your old man you're not going to keep hitting me with your stick which you've done previously and while he's trying to wrench it away from him he accidentally cracks his head against the glass cage causing a brain hemorrhage and he dies and as he's upset by his actions he's also feeling free probably for the first time in a long time because he says look if randall was here he would hate you as much as i do which are some pretty harsh last words but they the truth they're the truth he then finds himself drawn to morpheus as they reach out he reaches out to him and just as he's about to allow him freedom one of the guards says the temperamental words of what would your father do and he's still caught up in that man's cycle so unfortunately he doesn't release him despite his friend and future lover paul coming down husband to say you should keep trying to talk to him and get through to him and get him to trust you because you did fuck him over and kill his bird but you can see that he felt bad about that too, because they he tells him. Uh, actually, as soon as he kills the bird, his father says, "Well, you could have shot the cage. Not you did what I told you to do. Good job." And he tells him, "Clean up this mess," and walks out. And he did this to impress his father, and it's still not enough. Now he's got the death of Jessamy on his hands, and he picks up the bird himself. It doesn't even put it in the waste basket actually just walks out of the room with it owning that that probably did cause a little bit of a wrench in their relationship and we hear the voiceover from dream saying you know i should just forgive all of all of the misdeeds the misconduct he killed my raven and he kept me in here i'm not in the mood to forgive and that feels like a little bit of a flaw on on his part because all he had to do was say i'm not gonna hurt you but he's like, yeah, no, I want to hurt you. I'm going to murder you. I'm going to come into your house one night while you're asleep. I'm going to cut your throat. This isn't a joke. You're going to die. Despite the damage that's being done to his world and the dreaming, he chooses to hold on to a grudge. You see Alex is an old man in a wheelchair. And he says, Are, you still can't make that promise, huh? Well, this is the last time i will be coming down here he tells his partner to will him away and as he wills him away he breaks the runes and he kind of feels like you know that was the right thing to do i didn't want to do it because i respect my husband and what he and his father and all that shit but at the same time he looks back because he knows he did it and it's kind of like well be it as it may and continues to will paul or will alex out the two guards that are watching now that he has his opportunity he goes for the one who is very much wanting to be on a beach right now and will be very shortly for his vacation uses that opportunity to get into his dream as he falls asleep and as he falls asleep he finds himself on the beach with all of the women it's looking fun except the shadow of dream comes for him grabs some sand love the 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 editing he very very clearly covered up his penis (laughs) very artfully done and blows sand into well he has it in his hand he gets the sand in the present we see that the guy is shooting at his cage to get him in prison uh, to break the prison i should say then he throws sand or he he blows sand at both of them putting them to sleep And now he's free. He's finally free. And his first order of business is to wake Alex, old man Alex, who in the mirror sees that he is now a teenager. Once again, he follows the cat upstairs. It sits in a chair and it transforms in a dream. Chef's kiss. And he's like, yeah, you're free. Yeah, I am free. And it is not good for you. So your gift is going to be eternal sleep and he condemns him to be sleep forever and i'm not sure i'm not sure if that is a gift or a curse it feels more like a gift that's wrapped up in a curse because it seems a little bit later he is not in pretty good condition as his partner calls his name and has the doctor try to help him but i don't think there's no help for him he wakes in his realm to be granted by lucian who is happy that he is back however his realm is absolutely decayed the ones that once served him have either abandoned him or went to go look for him she tells him that it's not the first time one of the endless has decided uh they're done with this shit and they're just walking away from it he can't believe that they would have so little faith in him and he intends to bring his realm back to the glory that it once was after all these years of neglect we see carithian He says he's back he's free but he definitely has been having a good old time in the real world because he caresses a man whose eyes he's taken out of his sockets he wants the world to be in his image so that's that's going to be a problem i think we have covered everything that needs to be covered thus far as stated earlier sturge's acting was pretty profound considering he didn't have much dialogue this episode Uh, but his facial expressions his reactions to things the stillness about him he really is a perfect embodiment of dream i'm looking forward to meeting the rest of the family which is what he explained to him did you really think death was it there's plenty of others that are part of his family, part of Dream's family, and they they may have may have some say about this. What is Def doing, voiding capture, so to speak, and how is he going to get his totems back? That will wrap up the review. We are going to do feedback, and then we'll do a little bit of uh, book spoilers. After that, so let's hop into the mailbag.
1: Mail, motherfucker. Hey, Christina, it's me, Shy. I am here to give my thoughts on the new series, The Sandman, that's on Netflix, season one, episode one. Um, as usual, like I've already. <laughs> alluded to i came into this show completely blind i did see the trailer but i didn't know that this was a dc property i didn't know this was a comic book so that took me by surprise um but so when i started watching it i saw the the dc warner brother label and i was like holy shit i i don't i didn't know anything about it I never even heard of this, these characters, Um, but, I I mean, I'm going with it. So we got, of course, so I went into it, you know, just being open-minded. Like I said, the trailer was very intriguing. And so you talked about it on one of your podcasts about looking forward to this coming out. So I was looking forward to it as well, just to see what it was about. And yeah, I'm definitely intrigued and ready to learn more about everything. Um, in this one, we learned about um, Dream. Um, I'm taking it he's the main uh, protagonist uh, for this show. Um, but he has a family called The Endless, uh, made up of some other people. Um I can't remember. Death? Yes, Death was one because the Magus magus guy was wanting to summon Death so that Death could bring back uh, his son. Um, but instead, I guess because Dream ended up coming to the Waking World, uh, he ended up getting him instead and trapping him in a spell. And so my thing is... You know, because he's trying to bring back his son from the dead, which is never a good thing. And this other guy was one that had just lost his son and was hoping to bring his son back. But my thing is, like, dude, I mean, at no time did he try to get, did he talk about your son? He was mostly talking about the other, his son. Um, and so, and of course, it's like, yeah, it's a slap in the face when you have your other son that you're not even acknowledging you're acting like you could care less about while you're trying you just all in on your older son that was killed um one thing that surprised me about this episode is the amount of time that passed uh, from what i understand a century passed um from when dream was trapped to when he was finally uh escaped and i'm like damn that's ridiculous so all that time um the Magus, Magnus, Magus, um, he just didn't care because I know he had to have heard about other people not waking up from their sleep, but he just didn't give a damn. It, It was all about his son and getting his son back however long that took. And so, you know, Dream never said a word, which I was surprised. Like he went a whole century without saying a damn thing. Which I'm like that takes some <laughs> some serious intestinal fortitude to sit there for that long and not not say a word. And so, forget the other son's name. But then I'm thinking, okay, so once the old guy died, I was like, surely he's gonna let him out, and he never did. I'm like, are you serious? You felt you you act like you felt so bad for his situation and what he was. Um, went through and the fact that, you know, you didn't agree with your dad, keeping him trapped. Yet you're going to do the same thing. Of course, you know, trying to I mean I get that you're scared. And, you know, everybody, you know, the whole old adage about, you know, being scared of the unknown. Um, it's better to um, the devil, you know, than the one you don't. So, with all these mythology or whatever in regards to Dream and what he may or may not do if he escaped. But I'm like, that's a chance you should take because that's not fair that you kept him trapped in there. And so, but instead, he got old <laughs> so and just kept him in there. And um, when he had the chance, then his, uh, his um, partner course i forget his name too um did the broke the line uh with the wheelchair which allowed him to escape by um, making the guard dream and dream him into you know firing a gun so that was i was curious as how they were gonna um, get him out and then there was the crow jessany um or raven whatever it was um (laughs) Um, so I'm wondering what that's about. I mean, that was his sidekick or something, or was it protecting him? Um, but I'm wondering why, if, if it was part of, um, dream, why it it couldn't go, I guess it couldn't go back to the dream world to let them, his family know where it happened to him. And then that's my other thing. Did the family not know what Did they, they, I know the, the, golly. I mean i I'm sorry I didn't write any notes, so I don't remember was it um lucian the uh like the, the the assistant, the butler or something uh the assistant to dream or assistant to the family um she um she said that they some went looking for him, but I'm like well yeah, they did keep him a secret um the world didn't know that he was in that bubble thing. Um, so other than a handful of people, but I'm like, from all that time, they just never a whole century went by and they never found him and they all disbanded or I guess went their separate ways or stuff like that. Then we got the, um, Corinthian guy, the evil guy without the eyeballs. That was totally nasty. Wasn't expecting that. So he likes murdering people. Um, and so Dream was trying to capture him when he got sucked up. And I'm guessing, you know, cause he came to the waking world, which it was explained made them vulnerable to whatever. And because Magus was trying to get death, but ended up getting him instead. And I'm sure that's because he was in the waking world when he was doing that spell. Um, so that was very interesting. Um, I'm assuming we're going to see his family in the second episode now that he's back home. Um, and, uh, yeah. So I just thought it was messed up that they just, and that's the other thing. Other than aside from, you know, the, them trapping dream for all that time. Also the fact that these people basically were in a coma and they probably grew grew old and died while they in their sleep because they never woke up. And I'm like, are you serious? I mean, all this for one person? And that's the thing. It's like Magus was the main one that wanted this person alive, the, the son alive. But I'm like, okay, you hated your father, you hated, supposedly hated what he was doing with Dream, but you just went along, just kept going along with it until you got old. But um, you know, your dream got back, you know get got back at you by um, by trapping you in a dream. So I'm very curious, very, very curious about what's gonna happen next. Um, like I said, I don't know anything. Um, so I'm excited. sometimes that's good, you know, going with any preconceived notions about, the characters or their trajectory or what they're supposed to do. You just just take it all in. So um Yeah, that's all I got to say. So on that note, until next time, much love, peace, and black girl magic, Queen of the Couch, Shy.
0: That was Queen Shy with her thoughts on the episode. So um you might want to stick around for the spoiler section <laughs> if you if you're not gonna go find this book anytime soon or read the comic. You, you might want to listen after the spoiler section i might i'll give you some nuggets to some questions that i'm not going to ask in the non-spoiler section uh in regards to things i can talk about uh i think that the, i think alex was someone who was good but he falls into the who you know what i want to compare him to it's not the same but it's in a way to uh naomi's kid philip from the expanse you know, you grow up with this rhetoric, you grow up with this bullying type of behavior, and you're trying, of course, uh, 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 that's the best best uh, weapon a chi- uh, a father could have against a child is their love for them. Um, and it only takes so much time to break that cycle. And even if you hate them, it still takes you time to get out of that particular cycle. And, and as I've stated in the episode, you know, despite the fact that uh he could have gotten out he chose to be petty and he, he has his right to be petty he has his right uh don't disagree there but you are someone who is supposed to be a god in a sense you're supposed to be above those base human emotions someone would think for the greater good he would say no i'm not gonna kill you but he simply could not give him that promise and he also refused to give him any more of his trust and that's understandable But it is a little bit of a flaw that um, one would not expect a god to have anyway. Uh, But as far as Alex being stuck in that perpetual cycle that he can't easily break. And then he's got someone he he cares about now. So his thought is, can you not hurt me or Paul? Because this is a life that I would like to live. But unfortunately, he couldn't get that promise. So he kept him in his cage uh, because he pretty much said, I'm going to kill you. The absence of a answer is also the answer. So on one hand, yeah, you could have let them out. But who wants to let someone out and just be like, yeah, I accept my death. I didn't really have anything to do with this. I was a child when it happened. Uh, you've seen my life. Okay, you should know exactly what I'm going through and have a little bit more empathy for that. But uh, I-, I thought it was a complicated, a uh, lot less black and white than when it was presented why didn't his family come to save him save him mildly interesting but the people in his realm i will clarify is creatures of his own creation nightmares and dreams so that's who he was referring to more so than his family coming to rescue him he was a secret um there is that people walking around with the sleeping sickness some things are are given to certain people to handle and then when they don't handle them there might not be a a reason for anyone else to interfere we will learn more about the endless and as far as it being a dc comic yeah that is a surprise to a lot of people but i assure you when you read it you know the comic itself that is definitely connected to dc because there's one story arc the season that you're gonna see that pretty much happens in a dc um universe that you're familiar with i won't spoil it so there's that I think that's all I have to say on your feedback in particular, because unfortunately I can't say too much that it's spoilery. So if you want to send feedback back on our next episode, blackrocouch gmail.com or you can leave a comment below. If you want to send me anything like spoilers or clarify things, just put spoilers in the feedback. So I know to read it in the spoiler section. Uh, my social media will be below as well. Remember to like, share and subscribe. I will see you next week. I'll try to drop these on Saturdays. So uh, look out for that since I won't have a schedule out there. Goodbye to everyone else who does not want to discuss anything further. Just want to stay within the show. Have a good week. Spoilers. 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 In this episode, there are a few things I can talk about because it is very much uh, not word for word although there's some parts that are word for word but scene by scene beat by beat there's a lot more with the whole uh is is it it's not burgess it's i don't remember what that guy's name is for the life of me it's funny because we do start with him but he realizes he's been played by burgess so there's that scene they kind of skipped over uh in regards to to ethel crips and how that storyline played out was a little different instead of just being pregnant she had ran off with one of his ran off with sykes right yeah she ran off and had an affair with sykes and sykes is the one that he ends up sending a whole bunch of curses to she doesn't take all of the totems she only takes one of the totems which is the ruby did she take all three i remember she just took the ruby because he was throwing curses at the ruby all these years uh, he never goes to Burgess to to dream to get him to go after Ethel. Uh, because he really ain't fucking with that dude down there in the basement. I really like what they did mostly with. um well, I didn't ruin Sykes like that. I like the change in making him black as well. There's a lot of uh, color on the screen and I enjoy that that is leaning into these are fictional characters they do not need to fictionally match the racial (laughs) identity but neil gaiman has been he has for quite a while now been a a proponent of racial equality and things like that it's particularly in his works so i i support him always and he he makes a point of bringing that into it as well like hey there's too many white people around here we need some (laughs) we need some color but the, the biggest change uh, is with Alex. I, I thought they did a better job fleshing him out and not just making him the, you know, in this in the story, in the show, or in the book, he very much is the bitch child of Roderick. He doesn't find himself splitting from his father and what he has done. Uh, there's no remorse over his actions. He's just someone in the background. And then after Burgess's death he inherits this this responsibility that he on one hand resents but is very much committed to and it doesn't it isn't encumbrant upon him being promised not to be murdered he's doing it because he believes he truly a hundred percent is committed and believes in what his father's doing and in the end it, it plays out very much like it does where he gives him the gift of truly the curse of eternal sleep i think paul was the same though he didn't have an earlier introduction to them uh i like the fact that once they there was a cloaking spell oh actually yes because uh sykes made a deal with another of the endless or a demon one or the other yeah it was lucifer right he made a deal that if you protect me cloak me from from burgess then his curses and hexes couldn't find him, and he ended up being with Ethel Cripps until they broke up, and Ethel Cripps took the ruby, and then all of the curses that Roderick, who's still a powerful sorcerer, which they kind of glanced over in this first episode, he all those curses found him, and Sykes ended up dying because uh, Ethel stole the ruby for her son, but she still didn't have the pouch of sand. At least I don't remember that she had the pouch of sand and the helmet. Uh, so that was a, a, a difference as well. It wasn't just, oh, I don't want you to have this baby. It, was, it, it wasn't it was that situation. They they made it clear about how a man can have control over a woman and her productive system. And that's relevant right now uh, to give her that change of story arc. But Crips in the, in the book is just pretty much a conniver who sleeps with Sykes and abscounds with him and then ends up leaving Sykes as well uh so she's a very much a virtuoso. what do you what do you call that Jezebel there we go so I think that for the most part is the only true differences thus far between the book and the show I'm sure there are going to be more as we go through this first part i'm pretty sure i will capture most of this first part right because i'm i'm going to finish this week that's my goal before the next episode to at least finish the first part of the book i probably will not get to the end of the second book before the end of this series but i'm curious on where this begins and ends because i have a feeling that it's going to go further than i am at so i need to see where it does end so i can ornate as things continue to to go on uh what's happening but that is the end of the discussion of spoilers once again if you want to add to that blackercouch at gmail.com just put spoilers in the in the headline if you want to send feedback once again blackercouch at gmail.com my social media will be below as well remember to like share and subscribe until the next time peace hair grease in Blacker Magic!